0: Hey, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the New Birth Podcast. There's a word of hope for you today, and we are excited for what God is doing here at New Birth. For more information, visit our website, nbplaceofhope.com. Now for the message by our senior pastor, Gabby Mejia. He says, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, today we're going to talk about Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. When we talk about these names, when Isaiah says he shall be called, it's not the way we call children. My name is Jose Gabriel Mejia, a.k.a. Gabby. That's my name. But when the Bible says he shall be called, he's not referring to a name, He's referring to titles. He shall be called. If his name were to be everlasting father, so then why would the angel tell Mary in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, and you shall conceive a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from his sins. Why would the angel tell Mary his name is Jesus? Because Jesus is his human name, But when Isaiah says he shall be called, he's not referring to a name. He's referring to titles. My name is Gabby, right? That's my name. But my title is pastor. I teach in the school, so I'm a teacher. I sit on a commission in Kissimmee, so I'm part of a commission board member. So I have many titles, but I'm still Gabby. When Isaiah says he shall be called... He's not referring to his name is going to be this, that, and the other. He says, this child who's going to come to the earth, you're going to know he is God because he's going to exercise and execute the titles of Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Whoever embodies those four titles... That's the son of God. So for 720 years, people were waiting for the arrival of the wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and prince of peace. And he didn't show up until 720 years when he is born in Bethlehem. And he says today, he speaks to us today, God, and tells us that he wants us to understand that the God that we serve is an almighty God. But he's also a father. When I think of almighty, I'm thinking about power, strength, exousia, authority. Last week, uh, there were several Bible verses that we conveyed as it pertains to exhibiting the mighty God. And some of the quality traits of a mighty God is that a mighty God had power over nature, had power over over the world, had power. The Bible says in Hebrews that he sustains the world by the power of his mouth. The Bible says that when he would teach, the, the people would say they've never heard teaching like this because he would teach with such authority. When Jesus on one occasion calmed the seas and calmed the storms, the disciples says, who is this man that even the winds and the storm Obey him. This is a powerful God. This is a strong God. This is an exuberant God. This is a God that when he opens his mouth, the world stops to hear him speak. What a powerful God. But that powerful God is also a father. When I think of a father... I think of a caring person. When I think of a father, I think of someone that loves. When I think of a father, I think of someone who is tender. When I think of a father, I think of someone who is careful. When I think of a father, I think of someone who, who, is, who is intimate. And so this God is powerful and controls the world, yet simultaneously has the capacity to be tender, to be loving, to be caring. So he says, he shall be called... <coughs> Everlasting Father. Now, when he says he shall be called a father, he is not talking about having biological children. Because we all know Jesus didn't have any kids. Jesus didn't get married. Jesus didn't get engaged. Jesus had no relationship with no female. At least the Bible doesn't say it. So I'm going to go with what the Bible says. So Jesus was single and and wasn't ready to mingle. So he was, he, was never, he was never engaged, he was never married. Consequently, Jesus never had children. However, Jesus became an eternal. Isaiah says, <coughs> sorry guys, I got a sore throat. Uh, Jesus says, the, Isaiah says that Jesus was going to be the everlasting father. How could Jesus be a father if he never have sons? How could Isaiah says, Say, this God, when he comes to the planet, he's going to be a wonderful counselor. He's going to be a mighty God, but he's going to be an everlasting father. And yet he never had any children. Because when the writer speaks about father in Hebrews, in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, He's not explaining father the way we explain father. To us, a father is the he who has a child. Everyone who has a child is a father. But the description of father in Isaiah chapter 6 has a lot to do with the description of Psalms chapter 23. When the Bible says, the Lord is my shepherd. The word Lord is the word rea or the word rohi, which literally gives the same descriptions of the job title of a father. When he says, The Lord is my shepherd, the word shepherd means my protector. The word shepherd, it means my provider, one who feeds me, one who sustains me, one who protects me. That's why when you read Psalms 23, everything the psalmist says to describe his shepherd, he leads me, green pastors, he restores my soul, he anoints me, he Gives me a surety. um, Oh my God. He says, he says, uh, he says, that mercy and truth will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When I look at Psalms 23, what the psalmist is saying, he's saying, every description of a father. A father is one that leads, protects, anoints, covers feeds love. So when the Bible says that this God, when he comes to the planet, he's going to be an everlasting father. That word father has the same description of the word shepherd in Psalms 23, which means that Jesus is a protector Jesus is a nourisher, that's why he said, I am the bread of life. Jesus is a feeder, Jesus is an encourager, Jesus is a shelter, Jesus is our protector. So everything that represents father, even though Jesus had no biological sons, he fulfilled the office of a father for he promoted and he presented and he exhibited the elements that qualified a person to be a father. That's the God you serve. And that's the greatness of the God that we serve. That on the one hand, He has power over all the universe and all of the world and angels and visible and invisible things. Yet on the other hand, He is tender, He is loving, He protects, He shields, He covers, and He loves us. So to be an but the challenge was that the description of this Father is that this Father had to be an everlasting father. That right there. Cancelled. Let me tell you, in the times of Christ and before Christ, people would say they were gods. People would say they were prophets. People would come and they would say that there were the Messiah. The difference was that Isaiah said the Messiah that was going to come, he had to be an everlasting father. So that disqualified everybody who said, I'm the Messiah. Guess why? Because they were born, they preached, and they died. But Jesus is the only one who was born, who lived and died and rose from the dead and is still seated at the right hand of the Father. He is the everlasting Father. So to be an everlasting Father is to perpetually provide the attributes of a father. But to do it eternally, that means that Jesus had to be eternal, which is why Jesus is our Father. And he promised us in the book of Matthew that he will be with us eternally. That's why in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 20, he says, surely I am with you always until the end of the age. No Messiah, no false Messiah could have promised that. No false prophet could have promised that. The only one that said that and backed it up was Jesus. So the question is. How is it that Jesus is our father when Jesus is the son? Jesus is the son of God. Can I get a good amen? If he's a son of God, well, then how could he be the father and how could he be the son? You you can't be the father and you can't be the son. You got to pick one. But Isaiah says, unto us a child is born. I'm sorry, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. But then the son is not only a son, but he's also a father. Now, this son, this son that came to the world is who we call the son of God. Are we right so far? The son of God is Jesus. But the son of God is going to operate in different titles. He's going to operate within the title of a wonderful counselor. But the wonderful counselor is the son. He's going to operate as a mighty God, but the mighty God is still the son. He's going to operate as an everlasting father, but the everlasting father is still the son. Why? Because everlasting father is not the person. Everlasting father is the job description of what he's coming to do. So he is... The son by virtue of his purpose, but he operates within the context of a paternal aspect because he does everything a father is supposed to do. That's why Jesus is our father. Jesus tells us, look what he says in John, in John chapter 10, verse 30. He says, I and the father are one. In John 14:9. Jesus says, Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Because Philip, I, Philip, Philip was dying to meet the father. Have you ever had any friends that are hooking up with you, but they don't really want to be with you. They want to be with somebody else. But they use you to get to meet somebody. Hey, yo, I'm going to hang out with her because, you know, I really like her friend. But I'm just going to hook up with her just to connect. Philip was chilling with Jesus, but Philip really wanted to meet the father. He was after having a relationship with the father. So it came to the point that Philip couldn't hide it no more. And Philip said, listen, look what he says. He says, he says Jesus, Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Because Philip asked Jesus, hey, show me the father and it will be enough for me. But look what he says. He says, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you such a long time. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? So when I look at Christ, I look at the image of the Father. Because, because well, I gotta know. I'm going to stick to my notes. Now, now he, here's the thing about fatherhood. Fatherhood demands and requires conception. You can't be a father, guys, if you ain't got no babies. Okay. And your your dog ain't your dog ain't don't make you no father, and your cat don't make you no father, and your little hamster don't make you no father. You only a father if you have babies. Oh yeah, I'm a father. Oh yeah, what do you got? Two cats and a pet. No, No, the devil is a liar. You ain't no father. Chill. In order to be a father, you gotta have sons. But the thing is, Jesus never had any sons. So what makes him a father? What made Jesus? A father. When, when when did Jesus switch from being a son? Although Jesus is the son of God. But when did Jesus, while being the son of God, became the father? In order, in order, to, have, in order to have the title of a father, you got to have children. So if Jesus is a father, the question is, when did Jesus have his children? When did that happen? I'll tell you when it happened. Jesus had his children at the age of 33. Google it, yeah. At the age of 33, while Jesus was dying on the cross, Jesus was birthing his church. Jesus is, okay, when Jesus died, the Bible says that when Jesus died... The soldier took a spear and he pierced his side. And when he pierced his side, the Bible says that water and blood came out of his side. Women, if you remember the last time you had a baby, if you had a baby, right before your baby comes out, first, the things that happen is that your water breaks. And when your water breaks, it breaks with water and blood. While Jesus broke water, he was birthing the church. That's why when Jesus died, he didn't go to heaven When Jesus died he went to the bosom of Abraham and he picked up all of his children who had believed in him before he was born. Abraham, Moses, Joseph, uh, 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 Jacob, Isaiah, all of these guys. He went to the bosom of Abraham and he picked up all of his kids and he said now I can be your father and he went in there and he took the captivity and he took them to heaven and from the moment Jesus died and rose from the dead is when he gave birth to his children. That's why Paul says in Romans that now we are sons of God and if sons heirs and if heirs co-heirs with Christ so Jesus Jesus from being God to being a son to being a father but now let me just say this and I'm going to skip all this because I want to get to my point. When I look at when I look at when I look at when I look at the paternity of God. When I look at the paternity of God. And what I mean by paternity of God is God made us because God created us as his children. You and I, Genesis chapter 1, Genesis 1, well, Genesis chapter 2, when God created mankind, God made his babies. He created them. And he created him, Genesis chapter 1 verse 26, in his image and his likeness. So whenever you saw man, you saw God. Whenever you saw Adam, you saw God. And not only did God make Adam in his image and in likeness, but then God expected and demanded Adam to do with himself what God did with him. He said, just like I made a baby called Adam, I want you to make babies, and I want you to replenish and fill the earth and subdue the earth. So God put in Adam the responsibility to become a father the problem with adam's paternity is that when adam became a father adam allowed distortion to enter into his life by means of disobedience and eating from the forbidden tree so now when adam has kids he has kids from a sinful nature he has kids out of the state of sin and now everything that comes out of adam is condemned and it is it is distorted because of sin so what does god do god does he says okay because Adam is my son. I created Adam. I now need to put Adam back in the position where I can give him back. That Paul says in Romans, I want to make him an heir and a co-heir with Christ. But I can't give him everything the father has for the son because Adam is a sinner. Adam fell in sin, Adam disobeyed, and Romans chapter 3 verse 23 says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So God says, I need somebody to go to man so that man can be back in his position of a son, but the only way we can do that is one of us has got to be willing to die. Jesus says, I'll die, but Jesus, you're the son, don't worry about it. I got the power to be a son, but by the time that my... Like preaching. By the time my time is over, I'm gonna evolve from a son and I'm gonna become a father, and I'm gonna take the captivity, and I'm gonna sit at the right hand of God, and I'm gonna make them have a relationship with me because the Spirit of God is gonna inundate them to such a degree that they'll be able to say, I'm a father, because I'm gonna put them back in a place of purpose to walk in the glory of God once again. Listen to me, church. The Lord's desire for us is to understand that this eternal God, that this wonderful counselor offers himself and provides himself within the context of a father because he wants us to realize that this mighty God endeavors to have a relationship with us, that this mighty God is your father. The question is, how do I know? That God is my father? (coughs) How do I know that? How do you know God is your father? Here's how. We know that God is our father because of the work of the Holy Spirit. We know that God is our father because the Holy Spirit qualifies us to become sons of God. Look what the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 14 through 17. He says... For those who are led by the Spirit of God, those are the children of God. What qualifies you to be a son of God? The fact that you have the capacity to allow the Holy Spirit to lead you. That's why Jesus said right before he went to heaven, he says, I will not leave you. I will not leave you orphaned, but I will send my Holy Spirit to be with you so that wherever you are, I will be with you. So the seal that guarantees that you're a son of God is if you allow yourself to be led by the Spirit. For he says, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves. So that you live in fear again. Now, now, when he says slaves... In the time of Paul, writing the book of Romans, slavery was as common as, I don't know, as as as, as 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 homosexuality, lesbianism, LGBT. It was as common. As a matter of fact, there were Christians in the time of Christ that had slaves. Read the book of Philemon. Philemon had a slave called Onesimus. So slavery in the time of the Bible was common. So he says the spirit does not make you slaves, so that you may live in fear again. What he's saying by that is, because aside from slaves, you had house slaves, you had field slaves, and then you had slaves that they were so much connected to the love of the master that the master changed their roles from being a slave to being part of the family. Now, 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 let me just say this. <coughs> the, the the concept of earrings, nose rings and earrings, you know, we wear it we wear now as a fashion statement. But if you had an earring on your ear, that meant you was, a, you was a type of slave. If you had an earring on your nose, that meant you was another type of slave. If you had an earring in your belly button, I don't know what that means. That's just stupidity nowadays, but... <coughs> Why you want to put a belly uh, earring on your belly? What are, you, what are you doing? But anyway, so if you if you were a slave with a, with, with, with an earring on your nose, that meant you was a hardworking slave. Check this out. If you had an earring on your left ear, that meant you was a house slave, but you was a slave. If you had an earring on your right ear, that meant you family. And Paul says, those that are led by the Spirit. You're gonna become not slaves, but you're gonna become sons. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves, so that when you live in fear again, rather the spirit you received brought you, brought about your adoption of sonship, and we cry, Abba Father. The word Abba is daddy. That testifies with our spirits that we are children of God. Now, if we are children, then we're heirs. In other words, God don't just want me to be his son. Being his son comes with benefits. There's a promise for me. And if I'm an heir, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order, that we may also share in his glory. So this everlasting God, who has all authority in his hands and has all power in his hands, he says, if you allow me to be your father. And to become my son, you have to be led by the spirit. And if you allow my spirit to dwell in you, not only I, almighty God, all-powerful God, all-doing God, all, 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 this God that controls the world and, and the galaxies and everything, this God, I, I'm willing to become your father, but I don't just want to become your father. I want to make you an heir. I, wanna, I want you to embrace the inheritance that I have for you. And he says, all I need you to do is to be led by the Spirit. To be led by the Spirit. Because those who are led by the Spirit shall be called the children of God. So God, who is a father, decides to have sons. Just like Adam was a son of God, Jesus now has children. And this is the craziest thing because now Jesus <coughs> looks at his children and he says, now are ye the sons of God. And so the question is, what is the job of a father? What is the responsibility of a father? The responsibility of a father is to protect, is to shield, is to encourage. And I like, I like Jesus paternal gifts, and I say that because when I look at how Jesus was treated by his heavenly father, and then I see how Jesus treats me, I can see that Jesus applied, you know, some fathers are bad fathers because they had no fathers. Some fathers are horrible fathers because their fathers were just horrible. Alcoholics, abusers, never there, come on weekends, once a weekend, and so, because that's their impression of fatherhood, well, then that's what they know. But Jesus' fatherhood, Jesus' paternal gifts, when I look at Jesus, how he treats me as his son, because, I, again, Jesus is the son of God, but because Jesus is God, then God is the father, God is the son, God is the Holy Spirit. And so when I look at, when I look at how Jesus treat me, he treats me the way the father treated him. When Jesus was born, the father was there. When Jesus was a baby, his entire life, the Father was there. As a matter of fact, most of the conversations that Jesus had in prayer, when he spoke to God, he said, Father. When he rose Lazarus from the dead, he said, Father, I know that you hear me. But for these people that they don't believe, he said, Lazarus, come." when you look at Jesus at the cross, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Most of Jesus' time in prayer, when he would pray, he was speaking to the Father. All of Jesus' life, Jesus was never alone. When the Son lived, the Father was there. When the Son got baptized in the Jordan River, the heavens opened up, and the Father was there. He said, this is my Son, in whom I am well pleased. When the son died, Jesus was there. When the son rose from the dead, the father was there. When the son went to heaven, the father received him with open arms. And right now, up until this day, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the father. So now Jesus treats us who are his spiritual children. Because Adam was the first father who failed. Jesus is the second Adam Who fixed it. And when I look at Jesus, Jesus says stuff like, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll be with you always until the end of the world. So Jesus is the eternal father who promises to be there for us. And so I don't know your relationship with your dad or I don't know your relationship with your children. But I do know that once you start embellishing and establishing a relationship with Jesus... Your image of a father can change. Your perspective of a father can change. Your capacity to embrace the love of your heavenly father can change. So Isaiah says, this child is going to be born a son, but this son is going to become a man, and this man is going to become a father, and this father is going to teach us That everything he has, he wants to give for us. So church, as I close, I want to encourage you today to walk in the power of the knowledge of the father you serve. That he is mighty, but he's also loving. That he is willing to do abundantly and exceedingly above that we could ever imagine or think. That he controls the wind, that he controls the world, that he has all power. In his, that powerful God says, "I want to be your father. I want you to embrace me. I want you to receive me." I said in the first service at, at five. My dad, when I when I re- when my earliest memories of my dad and myself, my dad was a body a body a bodybuilder. That was Diesel. Just like your pastor. Uh, I'm prophesying that's what I'm doing. My, 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 fa- my father had my father had muscles, you have no idea. My father was, was diesel. And, and I would go to school and kids would mess with me and I remember I was saying well, I'm gonna get my father. my father would show up everybody was scared of him. He was strong and he had a gold teeth right here so he's shining his teeth and his muscles. didn't mess with my dad. and everybody who saw my father got afraid. Yet when I saw my father, I was not intimidated because he treated me different than what he treated my enemies. My enemies saw him as a big, mighty, powerful person. But me, his son, saw him as as my friend, as my comforter, as my protector. So he would use his muscles to fight people, but he would use his muscles to be tender and catch me and throw me and play with me. This everlasting father says, I got all power to crush the devil under your feet. I got all power. I got the keys of of hell, death, and the graves in my hand. But at the same time, I am the father that feeds you, that nourishes you. And all I need for you to let me be your father is let my spirit lead you. For those who are led by the spirit, the apostle Paul says, those shall be called sons. And if sons... He says, if you allow me to be your father and you be my son, you're not just going to have a title of a son. You're going to be an heir. You're going to be an inheritor. Everything that's mine is going to be yours. But all I ask from you is allow the spirit to lead you into becoming a son of God. Get up on your feet. I want to pray. It's okay. You guys are tired. And so am I. Listen to me. God is calling us to enjoy our position as sons. My daughter got married three weeks ago. She got married. My daughter got married. My daughter came to my house yesterday. (coughs) She's married. Like, you're married. Like, you're married. Yeah, she went to my house after being married, and she's still opening the refrigerator in my house. And she's still eating food that she's not supposed to eat no more. But she could do that because she's my daughter. So it doesn't matter whether she's married, whether she's single, whether she's in crisis. My daughter has access to my house. Because she's my daughter. And she will, always, and as long as she will always be my daughter, the refrigerator is hers. She messes with, you go to my house, you start messing with my thermostat, I'm going to kick you out of my house. She's, get out of my house. My daughter could put it on 60. That's my daughter. So there are benefits in being children of God. It's benefits. Anybody else? No, you can't come to my house and open my refrigerator. Who are you? What are you doing? My children. They could go to my room. My children see me all you know, you know in underwears and boxers and, and tank tops and old shirts. my kids. You can't come to my house, see me in tank top, get out of my house That's a disrespect. There's something about being children that gives us access, and it don't matter, listen, listen, my daughter is married with, with her husband, but when she sees me, she still treats me like, she's my baby girl. Doesn't matter. She's going to have kids one day. But when she comes home, she's going to be like, I'm in papi's house. And there's a sense of a baby in her. Because that's what fathers do. Your God says, don't, don't just receive me as your master. That's what Paul says. No, this whole slave-like mentality. I'm not, I, don't be led by the Spirit of God to be a slave. No, be led by the Spirit of God to be a son. That you can come boldly to the throne of grace. That you can come even after you mess up and you fail and you stumble and you fall. My, my kids, don't matter what they do, they're my kids. And I'm going to love them even when they mess up. And so God, God the Father, again, the Father, the Father, and then God the Father, the Son manifested in, in, in Trinity. He tells us, listen, I know what it is to stumble. Last week we talked about that. I know what it is to stumble. The Bible says that Jesus was tempted in every aspect. So, you know, you, 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 know, you know what's the blessing about my children when they mess up? You know what's the blessing that they have? That they got me. Because every mistake they made, they're making, I made them. I made every mistake my kids have made and are making, I've made them. So when they when I give advice, I'm not giving advice because I don't know. I've been there. So I know what it is to be brokenhearted. I know what it is to have bad credit. I know what it is to be in the wrong relationship. I know what it is to lie. I know what it is to cheat. I know what it is. I've done it. So when I pour into my kids, I speak out of experience. The crazy thing is that Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus was tempted in everything. The difference between Jesus and me is that I messed up in everything. Jesus, the Bible says, he was tempted in everything, yet he did not commit sin. And sometimes when we think of Jesus, we see him with a halo and we see him flapping around. No, he was tempted in everything. If he was tempted in everything, everything means everything. That means Jesus was tempted to commit fornication. Jesus was tempted to steal. Jesus was tempted to lie. Jesus was tempted to punch somebody in the face. The Bible says he was tempted in everything, yet he did not commit sin. But he knows what it is to be tempted. Just like when you're tempted and just like when you go through your stuff and just like when you go through your heartache and you're like, oh, God, I don't know what to do. Jesus says, I got you. I've been there, done that. But here, here's what you could do. Your, he says, he says, your weakness is perfected in me. So allow me to invite the Holy Spirit in your heart and allow the Holy Spirit to change your position from being a son of Adam to being a son of Jesus because the son of Jesus is going to become an inheritor because this Jesus who's a son is now the everlasting father who will forever be there for us. So I pray, church, over you. I pray that you may enjoy the benefit of this everlasting father. I pray that you may enjoy the benefit of having Jesus in your heart. I pray that you enjoy the benefits of having Jesus in your life. I pray that you enjoy the benefits of having a relationship with this everlasting God. And even in spite of all the mistakes we make, that we can come back to our father, like Paul says in Romans, and we can call him Abba. Abba. You know why they call him Abba? Because Abba, in the Hebrew nation, Abba was the first phrase babies will say, Abba, 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 Abba. Jesus is saying, literally, literally, that's what it means. When it says, you cry, Abba. Because that's, that's the, that was the first phrase. Kids were, were more propelled to say Abba than to say Mama. It was easier to say, Abba, 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 Abba. As if to say that the the first expression that a kid would say in the time of the Bible was acknowledging their father. He says, call me. Don't call me dad. Don't call me progenitor. Call me Abba. In other words, it's okay to be a child. We hope this message has inspired you. As a place of hope, our church is committed to reach our community. If you'd like more information about New Birth, visit our website at nbplaceofhope.com.